you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm your host, Kim Thompson Pinder. And today, I know you may have read the title and thought, hmm, how exciting is this one going to be editing? Hmm. But let me tell you that the right editing can make the difference not only in your books, but in your content between someone taking action or not. So on today's show, we're going to talk about editing. And I hope you stay tuned because if you do your editing right, it becomes a valuable tool that will just take your writing to the next level. So I'm welcome. I'm glad to welcome Carrie Pierce here today. And she has written professionally for over 20 years, including building a solid international reputation. During that time, Carrie discovered there was a real need for wholesome, quality children's literature that could also be enjoyed by parents and grandparents as they read aloud. And she understood the concern that parents and grandparents felt as they struggled to find children's stories they could trust and feel good about sharing with their young ones in their lives. And man, I can say amen to that. That was a struggle when my kids were little. Because yes. of that realization, Carrie understands how important it is to keep story time safe. So. She really began prayerfully crafting quality stories from the heart that contain important life lessons written in a style that doesn't talk down to children. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Oh, thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure to be with you and your audience today. I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, first of all, we want to get to know you a little bit. So I'd love to give you an opportunity to share more about your life, your business story. How did you get into editing and writing? All of these things that kind of make you you. Oh my, no pressure there, right? <laughs> well, it's kind of a weird thing is look back over my life. And I think when you get to be the age that I am kind of midlife, you do look back and see some clarity where paths maybe led you to where you are today in, in a way that makes sense, where at the time it did not make sense. When I was a very young girl, I always... I, even from a young age, I wanted to be a writer. Words fascinated me. Books fascinated me. I love sometimes to just walk around with books. They made me feel important and like I knew something, even though I didn't even know how to read yet. But at that age, to be honest with you, being a writer was actually about as likely as me being an astronaut because I didn't know the first thing about how to go about it. I knew a lot of people struggled to make a living at it. But just was my calling. And I, I knew it at a very young age. So what I ended up doing was actually going into the film industry because I did not have the discipline at the time to write my story. But I 
knew how to present my story visually. And so I spent many, many years in the film and TV industry. I did makeup and special effects in the film and television industry. Mm -hmm. And so I went on to get my certification as an esthetician or skin specialist. And over the years, I started writing health and beauty related articles for midlife men and women. And I wrote thousands of articles and these articles went all over the world. They were well received. One thing led to another and I would ask to guest author an article or something like that. And so all of a sudden, in a very roundabout way, I was writing. Mm -hmm. And in the course of writing, and you can only write so many thousands of health and beauty articles before you start to get a little burned out, I started turning toward crafting my children's stories and editing other people's writing. And I connected with my dear friend and my business partner at Morgan Pierce Media and Publishing, Sandra Morgan. And very long story short, she is also a writer. And we shared some very dismal writing experiences in the past. We had been, unfortunately, starting out as a young new authors, we had been rather horribly taken advantage of in our careers. I think that can happen, unfortunately, often. Bad editors, bad promoters, bad publicity people. I mean, we had a lot of really horror stories to share. And from our horror stories, we decided we wanted to develop a publishing house and a, and a service to help authors so they didn't have to have those dismal experiences. So that's yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I can hear you about the burnout. When I first started RTA Publishing, I did all of the writing. I wrote all of the books. And I think I hit about, I don't know, 100 or so books. I had nothing left. Like I was burnt out. And, you know, I had already been starting to bring on writing stuff, but it hit a point where I was like, I, I just can't do this anymore. Like I couldn't even write my own stuff. I was just so burnt out from writing everybody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took time off from writing. I'm like, that's it. Like I just, you know, when I, when you're used to writing thousands of words a day and you can't even plunk out 300 because you're so burnt out, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and that is a degree of burnout that is, is astounding. And I, I kind of went through it a couple months ago. We finished a project at Morgan Pierce that we had been working on for a year. And in order to hit the deadline, I ended up having to deal with an extra 30,000 words in yeah. just very small window. And I was surprised at how much it really wiped me out. It took me about two and a half weeks to recover. Yeah. And You know, I I think, and I have said this before in other interviews in the past, and really resonates with me. I was given this piece of advice a long time ago, and it really holds a lot of weight, I think. No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. And that means that if you're going to really resonate with your audience and, and impact them, you have to feel every word that you're writing. You have to yeah. pick your words carefully. You have to weight them carefully. You have to string them together like you're making a beautiful necklace. And and it's difficult to do and it takes a lot out of you. And yeah, yeah that's a, a degree of burnout that just leaves you absolutely empty. Yeah, so. I actually didn't write for months. Mind you, it was it was really a good thing because I needed to shift from working in my business to working on my business. Mm-hmm, it became a really positive thing as I, you know, started handing off more and more of that kind of work that was draining me. 
it actually freed me up to actually build the business. So it turned out to be a good thing. But, uh, you know, now I recognize when I'm starting to feel burnt out and I, I back off for a little bit. I give my I give my brain that rest. Like I did, actually didn't even read for years because I was reading so much every day, like everybody else's stuff. I couldn't even read books because I was burnt out. Like my eyes would hurt some days. Perpetual work. Yeah. Now though, I'm actually starting to get to the point where I'm starting to read books again and enjoy them because I'm not working on everybody else's books all the time. And it's allowed me to kind of rest my mojo a little bit and that's a beautiful luxury. And I did the same thing for decades. All I read was health studies, beauty studies. And and all of my reading, it was it was scientific and it was dry. It served a very important purpose. And I had to make sure I knew what I was talking about because it was health and beauty information for people. I took that very seriously. But I never I never had the time to read a book, read a novel. Yeah. And I always to me, the ultimate luxury was to read a book in bed right before you went to sleep at night to to prop up on your pillows and read a chapter. And I'm to, to the place now where I do that. And I do think it gives back to you. It mm-hmm. feeds your spirit, feeds yeah. your soul. It's important to do. But, you know, we share the ghostwriting life. And I also ghostwrite for other people, too. And you are right. I mean, it's just takes all of your energy, all of your focus, all of your time. Yeah, it does. It does. It's worth it though, but oh, it does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when you can give something to your clients that they know is theirs, like one of the things we special at RTA Publishing is balancing out the client's voice and something that's well-written. So most people don't even realize unless the client tells them that the books were ghostwritten because we capture their voice so well. And that is so important. And that that was actually one of my nightmare scenarios that I experienced as one of the first editors I hired. Um, I was new to writing my my own things and, and my first book. I didn't realize you had to kind of ride herd on them and you had to make sure that they were not stripping out your voice. That is so important. Yeah. If Especially when you ghostwrite, that author's name goes on that finished product. Yours does not. And yes. it's imperative that you reflect their voicing and their pacing and that their book sounds like them. But this this editor stripped my entire voice mm-hmm. from start to finish out of my book. And it was my first children's book. And like an idiot, I had turned over my original manuscript because I didn't know any better at the time. It was a long time ago. So it took me years to get that manuscript knocked back in line. And yeah. it's, it crushed me. It was devastating because it did not in any way sound like me. My character voicings were gone. It was edited immaculately, but it had no warmth. No life. Yeah, no life. No life. It, was, it was like a medical journal by the time yeah. it was done. Yeah, and I think that that actually leads us well into the topic of different types of editing. And I think, you know, audience, here's something that you need to be aware of. You know, if you're writing a book, it's your book. The editor's job is to make that book the best it can be. But ultimately, if you feel an editor has changed the book so much that it's no longer your book, Mm -hmm. it's not the right editor. 
No. And usually you don't find that out until too late. <laughs> so. Well, I think this is where, you know, when you're hiring people to help you with your book, you have to be very on top of them. And I think it needs to be very collaborative so that, you know, you're very involved in the process. You're not just handing it over to them and just accepting what they do. I think you really need to, you know, be checking what they do and making sure, you know, one thing that I recommend is if you're really not sure about an editor, do a test with them, you know, yep. write a few articles, have them, have them edit a few articles for you first. Indeed. that and, is, And you pay them. It's not yep. for free. You pay them, right? You pay them, edit a few articles for you and, and you'll very quickly get a sense whether they keep your voice or not. Yeah, that is excellent advice, Kim. And we pass that on as well. I think there are several tests. Of course, you want an editor that understands grammar and, and the importance of punctuation yeah. and proper spelling and has a good handle on the language that you're writing in. That's imperative. But I think the whole voicing thing and and keeping your voice intact is is really just, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most important aspects of, of shopping for an editor. And, and you do need to challenge them a little bit. You need to make sure that you need to see how they push back on you if they're going to actually hear you. And the other thing I know that that your audience, you have a lot of professionals in your audience. It is it is your job to to bring into your book accurate factual figures and information, especially if you have a niche or an expertise area. You need to make sure that all of your facts are correct and, and yes. your claims are legal and, and those kind of things. That that onus kind of falls on you. But it is so important that the editor respect your knowledge, respect the authority that you do bring to the manuscript, and and that works to really hear you and, and keep your voicing. There does need to be give and take in terms of yes. the relationship and the conversation in order for the manuscript to be as polished as possible. Mm-hmm. But you are the author, as Kim said yeah. earlier. This is your book and your name goes on it. And once it's out there, it's out there. So yeah, there's doubt about that. Yeah. And I like, I like what you said about balance, because I think there's times you need to listen to the editor. Like if something is just grammatically horribly wrong, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's your voice or not, because if that grammatically wrong it's going to affect the reader and they're going to know it and they're going to think, oh man, what bad editing, right? But then there's other times where it's more like a stylistic edit. So the editor's suggesting, but you know, if this is your your phrase that you use all the time or, you know, something that you say all the time or whatever, then the editor's got to give some leeway for that too, right? So like, I like what you said that, that there is, is balance in that. I was very thank. I was very blessed. Uh, one of the first people that I brought into RTI publishing was my best friend, oh. and she was an English major. She was really good at editing. She eventually became the project manager for RTI publishing. She's now on to some other things, but because she was my best friend, she knew me so well. So when she edited my book she actually we, we called it the Juanita razzle dazzle because she just knew how to take my writing and elevate it 
right? That's a gift. That she's is got this amazing vocabulary. So she would add on all these delicious words that I'm like, I start, I was reading and I'm like, oh, I'm drooling. Like, that's really good, right? So <laughs> I think, you know, you you do have to have the balance. Like it has, mm-hmm. you have, there has to be give and take, right? Very much so. And I... <laughs> You know, you bring up an interesting point about the use of words. And and the way I feel about this, in a sense, is as writers, we pour ourselves into our work. We spend hours alone every day while the world is going by. We are alone writing with our words. Very respectful of each word that we pick and how we string them together. We give up large chunks of our lives to create. We create. But the flip side of that is the reader then responds in kind and gives up large chunks of their life and time to read what you've written. So it needs to be material that resonates with them, that, that inspires them, that teaches them, that does not talk down to them or does not talk over their heads. And, and I have worked with, unfortunately, some professionals very skilled in the past that they view the opportunity to have a book or to do a lecture or something like that as a chance to just go in and strut around and thump their chest about how much they know and how knowledgeable they are. And I have seen it so many times. And you just want to slap them, don't you? I know, you do. You're like, stop, stop it, stop it. These people did not come for your really big words. They came to learn a little something about what you know. And, And they gave up, they skipped dinner and they came out late in a rainy night to hear what you had to say, and they're leaving with nothing. And And I've seen it in books as well with mm-hmm. writers who won't listen to their editors. And that's a very difficult scenario as well. You, yes. you want your reader to be grateful for the time that they spent with you, and you want them to to be thankful that you crossed their paths and that you enhanced to their life with your expertise. You, you inspired them. You taught them something they didn't know. And, you know, so that's my, my warning that on the flip side of that, it seems like balance is the buzzword. We keep talking about balance a lot, but there's a fine line between over talking and under talking and resonating. Yeah. And yeah. you are very gifted and blessed to have your friend and her wonderful gift. Uh, yeah, that's wonderful. You know, it's one of those days the thought just went out of my brain. Anyway, <laughs> I, it's one of those days for me too. So, <laughs> uh, I am I'm 52, and I'm occasionally having those menopause moments where the thought was there and then it's gone, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. Okay. well, um, we can we can move on, and when it comes back, we can switch gears. How's that sound? Well, I think it's coming back. So. Okay. You know, you talked about these these people who, you know, are writing these books to thump thump their chest. And I think that's, you know, when we talk in terms of editing, I think it's something that's really important is ensuring that two things. First, that the editor really understands who your target market is. Yes. You know, yes. who who's the reader of this book going to be, right? Because that, if you don't tell your editor that, then they don't they can't correct some of the stylistic things that may be above or below. Right. Very true. Because an editor, if they know the target market would understand what the reading level is, their comprehension, things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you, how you feel about this, but one thing that I talk to my clients a lot about is they have to be careful about how emotionally tied they are to the book. Yeah. 
what I mean by that is, is that you can't be so emotionally tied to the book that if, if an editor goes, this needs to be changed, or if I go to the client and say, listen, I know you love this piece, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, and you're trying to be diplomatic in what you say, but it's just not good, right? Yes, and yes. I think you have to, you know, especially when you're writing books to build a business, okay? There, there's different types of books, right? But when you're writing a book, build a business person who's reading it has to be paramount yeah that's very true and you know i can another phrase that i like to use and i use it often it always kind of gets a rise out of people writing a book is like giving birth to a bale of barbed wire it can be i love that analogy it's horrible but it's true it can be enormously painful enormously painful but then when you get to the editing process and then the marketing process which is just as difficult if not more so that is also very painful and and doesn't really have to be that painful but it is it is very true that is your baby and you Mm -hmm. have spent days upon days and hours upon hours and weeks upon weeks and months upon months just stating this baby that you're about to release into the world but you do need to have an editor that you trust enough to polish your baby gently and scrub him up and wrap him in his little precious blanket and present him to the world in a way that serves you, your audience, and your baby Yes, best. And absolutely, you need to let go. And, and it's a lot also like when a book is turned into a film. It's always shocking to me, and I saw it over and over again with screenplays from books. The actual movie, in most cases, is like three-fourths of the book is totally removed from the movie, and it doesn't have the same thing, but that's just the nature of evolving the story from book to screen. Green. And, you know, you've got to reach a point where if you're working with people on your manuscript, you you trust them. And that is, it's a very much a relationship and it's an intimate relationship Yes, that you have to trust and they have to be able to trust you that when they come to you with a piece of information, maybe you don't want to hear that you will be open to hearing them because if you've picked the right editor, they will always, always, always have your best interest at heart and your project's best interest at heart and your audience's best interest at heart. And that is the trifecta. Once you you cover all of those bases, then you're, you're primed for success. And that's why we're all here, right? Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think this will change the trajectory of the discussion a little bit because I think this is just so important. How do you choose a good editor? Because like we're talking about having a good editor here, right? And I think it's, you know, editing is one of those things that makes or breaks a book. There's a few things that make and break a book. Um, Editing is one of them. Um, Obviously, okay, let's let's declare the obvious. The writing has to be, you know, (laughs) before, right? The elephant in the room. (laughs) But, you know, when you look at, there's a few things. There's editing, formatting, or page layout. How does the book look? right? Mm-hmm. The third is the cover. Yep. Now, this is more in terms of marketing, but if you don't have a good cover, nobody even gets past the cover to look in the book. That's true. That's true. Right? And You know, a lot of people think selling the book and getting the book into a reader's hand is the big thing. The really big accomplishment is when they've read the last word of the last sentence of the last chapter of your book, and they're sad that their time with you has come to an end. So you haven't really achieved anything. People can buy a book, 
Yes. People can then put it in the Goodwill bin or, or their garage sale pile, or they can read yes, the first. They chapter. don't throw them out. Yeah, that's true. Or they resell them at the thrift bookstore, but they'll read maybe the first few paragraphs or the first chapter and, you know, you haven't won the war there until they've read your last word. Yes. And it, so I would say there's a process just like when you go out on a date, which I hate dating, so I don't do but anymore. But when I remember the old days when I used to date, it's kind of a, a kind of sniffing around, you know, everybody's on their best behavior at first. But you need to you need to meet them if in person's great. But if not, you know, a Zoom meeting or, or several times you need to ask them very important probing questions. You need to get a feel for their personality. Your editor is going to become your partner. And it's like being in a relationship. And you're going to have to endure meetings and days with this person. And and you're going to have to kick things back and forth. And it needs to be an exchange where you leave feeling heard. And you need to enjoy working with this person. I mean, granted, you're not shopping for an editor for them to become your new best friend, but it needs no. to be an enjoyable, healthy relationship. You don't want a dysfunctional relationship with your editor because that's going to spill over completely into your finished book. And yeah. that's a nightmare scenario. So I would say you need to, to ask the probing questions. You need to ask them very clearly about their temperament. How are you? If you tell me something that I don't feel is right, how are you willing to hear me? And what does that look like? What does that sound like? Um, how far are you willing to let me push back if I feel I need to? Where do we compromise? How do we compromise? Why do we compromise? You need to look at their years of experience. You need to look at their understanding of grammar, sentence structure, diagramming, sentence diagramming. It was so boring in school, but I tell you what, it's so important. Knowing how to lay out a very uh, beautifully crafted sentence is an art. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just And then, too, there are so many types of editing. There's line by line, word by word, content, clarity, formatting, like you said, grammatical punctuation stuff. I mean, it's you don't just edit once. You edit and then you edit and you edit some more and then you go back and you edit some more and then you edit for content and then you edit for length and, and continuity and it just goes on and on and on. But you are absolutely right, Kim, if, if the cover is not a good cover or your marketing blurb is not tight, tight, tight. You've already lost right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate, you know, but people do judge a book by its cover. Yeah, that's true. Even though they tell us not to, we do. (laughs) You know, like even in today's, today's environment, you know, most books are bought online. So Mm -hmm. you've got this, you know, itty bitty thumbnail that Mm -hmm. you've got to attract attention with. Yeah. In a big, big, wide world out there with a lot of competition. Yeah. Yeah. I so agree. Wow. (laughs) This has gone fast and we've just gotten started. (laughs) We could talk for hours. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think what we'll do, Carrie, is is we'll book another time and we'll we'll have you back because I think we need to continue this conversation. But I think we've ended at a, at a good point for here. Well, I would look forward to that. I'd be honored for the opportunity, Kim. Thank you. So what I would love for you to do, Carrie, is share one final closing thought with the audience. And also, how can they connect with you if they if they've enjoyed today's episode? 
How can they get a hold of you? And do you have any freebies, giveaways, anything like that you'd like to offer today? Oh, I feel so horrible in, in that I don't at this point. We've been so busy on this end. I've failed in that department. But I think the last piece of advice that I, I would give to any writer is especially when you're writing your first draft, get out of your own way. Don't just let it come. Don't judge it. Get out of your own way. And if you have a good handle on the skill of writing and you have a good editor in place, once you pour forth that first draft, then you can go in and begin the process of crafting and honing and tightening and shifting. But if you don't let that first draft come, you're in trouble because you'll never get your project finished. You just keep getting in your own way. So the best place to send your audience, if they want to be in touch with me, or if they want to find out more about what we do or see the books that that we have, is go to morganpiercemediapublishing.com. And they can email me directly. That's Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E, at morganpiercemediapublishing.com. And we do have editing services and ghostwriting services and all of those things, too. But I'd be happy to answer questions. And I'm sorry I don't have a freebie. Next time I will. How's that? (laughs) And that's Pierce, P-I-E-R-C-E. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a few ways to spell that. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a couple ways to spell that. Yes, that is true. I thank you for clarifying that. So absolutely so. Like my last name's Thompson Pinder. So it's Thompson with a P and Pinder with a P. Yes, that's a very lovely name. Actually, it's funny. Like I'm the only one. So I'm so easy to find on <laughs> any social media. That's great for marketing. You planned that well. <laughs> So speaking of social media audience, I would love to connect with you on my favorite place, which is LinkedIn. And, you know, I offer a lot on LinkedIn. You can see, you can see and listen and watch the episodes as they are being recorded, if you're my LinkedIn friend. So if you love the podcast and want the previews of the episodes, Come join me on LinkedIn. You can find me by typing in Kim Thompson Pinder, Thompson with a P, Pinder with a P, or you can search Word Ninja Kim. So, and uh, send me a message. Let me know that you heard or you listened to the podcast and I'll do something a little special for you. Anyway, this has been Kim Thompson Pinder and Carrie Pierce on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.